Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbury. Yep, that's me. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for joining us today. I want to say thank you each and every time you click on and listen to the show. Thank you. Before we get started today, I want to give a very, very warm welcome to, drumroll please, The Vulgar Poets. A husband and wife writing and producing team that's now aboard Team Perception is Reality. They're going to be working with us to help increase the intelligence, to help us increase the focus, and to help maintain our sense of direction. I believe that they are going to add a level of quality to the show that so far we have not had. Welcome, welcome, husband and wife team, Niles and Kate Thornburg. Welcome, and welcome to all of you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for going through the trouble of clicking on perception.fireside.fm or listening at iTunes or iHeartRadio or Google Podcast or however you do, because I want to say listenership is climbing, and that's thanks to people like you who have made a difference and are wanting to join the conversation. People like you that are wanting to make their community better by becoming more involved, by bettering their local government, your local government, through your citizen involvement. And remember, you can continue to make a difference by listening to Perception is Reality by visiting perception.fireside.fm. And don't just do it yourself. Tell a friend, share it with a friend, Invite a friend. Thank you very much, and welcome, Kate and Niles. Perception. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, folks. Well, welcome back. So, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, the dregs of society? Dregs. D-R-E-G-S. What is a dreg or dregs. The Merriam-Webster definition of dreg is sediment contained in liquid, the most undesirable part, usually in plural, such as the dregs of society, or the last remaining part, the last remaining vestige. So when you hear the term the dregs of society, you're thinking the most undesirable part. Or are you? I mean, yes, Sure, you could make it the most negative connotation possible. Drug addicts, thieves, burglars, candidates, and their party bosses that don't fill out their campaign finance report the correct way. Or 
people that beat their wives or kids. But you know what I think of when I think of the dregs of society? I think of the men and women that founded this country. I think of the people who are standing on the front lines today working on the local level, the state level, and the federal level that's willing to stand up and do what needs to be done even when it's not necessarily popular. I'm thinking about the people that are willing to give it to the powers that be when the powers that be need it. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more here in just a minute. But I also want to talk about perceptions. Okay, let's talk about this for a moment because the title of the podcast is Perception is Reality. Perception. Perception is Reality. The podcast as a whole is Perception is Reality. Now, if you remember back to the first episode, and if you've not listened to the first episode, you'll want to do that by going to perception.fireside.fm or you could go to perception.fireside.fm backslash 001 and go straight there. But in the first episode, I talked about how in the real world, perception is not always reality. But however, politics isn't the real world. And in politics, perception most often is reality. But let's talk about perception and perceptions for a moment. Perception is reality. The perception that I hear that most people have is that the system is broken, that local state, and federal government is corrupt, and that citizens cannot do anything to change that, that the system is broken, and that this form of government just won't work for citizens. And so citizen involvement is not needed. It's dumb. It's a waste of time. And when you think of your governmental system in Gaston or Muncie, Delaware County, Winchester, Randolph County, Indianapolis, Marion County, the state of Indiana, or Washington, D.C., you often think that it's broken or corrupt, dirty, dark, bad, scary, not able to be beat. That is what people think is happening everywhere, not just in their community, but everywhere. People think that Washington, D.C. is bad, dirty, and corrupt. People think that the state capitals are bad, dirty, and corrupt. And people think that their towns are dirty and the worst that it's ever been. And they call themselves Little Chicago. And everybody thinks that's how it is and that's how it should be because that's how it's always been. They think that all politics is corrupt. And moreover, they think that nothing will ever change. They think that nothing can change. And they think that nothing that they, that we, that you or I do will affect that. So they think to themselves, I can't affect this, so I'm just not going to try. And by thinking like that, 
people have made this perception a reality. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. Voter turnout statewide was down during this last primary election. Only 500-some people out of 3,500 registered freaking voters in Winchester voted. Muncie's election was abysmal. Indianapolis, Marion County, voted some of the lowest numbers that they have in quite some time. But people are now going around claiming their dissatisfaction with the results. But where were they on election day? You're not happy with who is currently going to be on the ballot in November, but your ass didn't come out to vote in May? You have to break down that perception in your mind that you can't make a difference. That is simply inaccurate. It's bullshit, and you need to break it down. You have to break down the wall that maybe they built, maybe you built, maybe your family built up in your mind, maybe you've never really understood, and you look at what's going on, and it, it, it's hard. I'm not going to lie, it's tough, and it's sickening, and sometimes it feels like we can't win, but you have to be willing to try. You have to be willing to be engaged. You have to be willing to ask questions. You have to be willing to know who your candidates are, and you have to be willing to vote. You have to go to meetings, and you have to know what's going on, and you have to have a little bit of skin in the game. Because if you aren't involved, and if you're satisfied with sitting on the couch and watching what's going on with the Kardashians and bitching about Donald Trump or bitching about Nancy Pelosi or fighting with people in Georgia about abortion laws in the state of Georgia... But yet you're unwilling to go to your city council meeting or your town board meeting and you don't know who your candidates for office are and you don't know what their platforms are. You see how that's a little crazy? You get so fired up about what's going on in Georgia, but there are people that don't know who is pulling the trigger here at home. Flip those roles just a bit. And that's what the whole purpose of this podcast and these discussions are. But if you're listening to the show, if you listen to the podcast, then you're one of the good guys. You're someone trying to be engaged, trying to figure out the way to better government through your involvement. And that's what we need. But what we need to do is share this message. We need to have this discussion that we're having and fire each other up and keep everybody in the game and be a team. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, that doesn't matter. Folks, here at home, on the local community level, nobody is dictating immigration policy or Muncie mayors or Winchester mayors or council members from various communities aren't dictating abortion law. So the R or the D by their name doesn't really matter. We need to have common sense. I am a Republican, but I don't have a problem voting Democrat 
when need be. Now, I don't have a problem slamming Democrats who are out of line and out of control and left and crazy and in line with the crap on the national level. But I also don't have problem working with Democrats. And that's what you need to be willing to do. Work with and for and together with and for and who anybody that has common sense, Republican or Democrat. And crush anybody that doesn't have common sense, Republican or Democrat. People will say that the primary is for Democrats and Republicans to pull Republicans and Democrats and do all of that. And that's all bullshit. It's for everyone. In fact, the independents and the libertarians and the people who are normal, everyday citizens, the dregs of society, need to come out, get involved, and vote. That's what needs to happen to ensure that the person that they, that we, that people think is the best for the job is the one that's put on the ticket for the general election. And it's those middle, normal, everyday people, the dregs of society, us, that decide elections. The independents, the libertarians, the people in the middle. Because don't get me wrong, I'm not in the middle. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. But like I said, that's mostly on a national level. And although I feel like I'm fiscally responsible and fiscally conservative, and I'm a Republican local, I consider myself to be in the middle because I will go Democrat if there's a Democrat that I feel like shows the common sense that's needed for the damn job. Party does not matter specifically on this local community level. And by thinking that nothing's ever going to change and this is the way it's always going to be and your vote doesn't matter and it doesn't matter if you're involved and no one's going to answer your questions and you don't need to go to meetings and you don't need to vote. By thinking that way, you're causing a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what's going on. You're causing a self-fulfilling prophecy. Don't let the powers that be that are corrupt that we need to be standing against let you have the tools that they want you to have to build the wall to help fortify them in the positions of power while it also helps to build the wall around you being engaged. And so by not attending meetings and by not being informed and by not being engaged, then you don't know really who to vote for when the elections come up. And by not voting, specifically not voting in the primary because people say, oh, it doesn't matter, or I don't want to declare my party, then voters are limiting their choices in the general election, and then they're bitching about it. But by not voting during the primary, then in the general election, you're in a situation where you're trying to vote and pick between the lesser of two evils when the time comes to vote in November. And that's not a position that you want to be in when you're picking the people who are spending your tax dollars and who are making the laws and the rules for you and your children. That's crazy. But it comes down to this, folks. I'm a Republican. Yet I polled a Democrat ballot in this latest primary because I felt like the Democrat 
that I wanted to vote for was the best way to cast my vote and have my needs met. There was only two contested races. Out of all of the races running, there was a contested Republican race for mayor and a contested Democrat race for mayor. And the two candidates running for mayor on the Republican ticket are basically the same person. And one of the Democrats running on the ticket was basically the same as the other two candidates on the Republican side. Ah, but one of the candidates I felt was a good candidate. So I crossed the line, I jumped the aisle, I held my nose, and I voted for the man that I backed and felt was going to do the best that he could do. And that's important. Why? because I felt that he was the best candidate for mayor, and that just happened to be, this time, a man that was a Democrat. Well, he lost, because only 116 people voted on the Democrat side. Only 500-some people voted total, Democrats and Republicans. But now, we have people in my community who are crying foul, and who are upset, and who are trying to work towards getting the Democrat that lost to run for mayor as a third-party candidate. Now, they don't know he can't do that because of the Indiana sore loser law, but the point is you have people who aren't really that engaged and aren't really that interested. That's why they probably didn't get out and vote that day. It's ridiculous that only 116 people would cast ballots when there are 3,500 registered voters in the city and there are definitely more than 116 Democrats in the city. But the point is, people just weren't that engaged. However, now looking at who we have, people are trying to figure out how to dig out of this hole. And the problem is, you freaking can't. You sit on your hands, you sit on your ass, and you get what you get. That's the thing. That's the problem that we run into. We would have had a candidate that a good majority of the population could have been proud in standing behind come November's general election. But the majority of voters chose not to vote. Not just in my community, but all over Indiana. And so, in my community and all over Indiana, we are left with a choice in November between same old, same old, and that's the way it's always been. Those are your two choices. Your choices for November all over East Central Indiana isn't between the Republican and the Democrat. Your choice come November's general election is between same old, same old, and that's the way it's always been. We have made our perception reality. So the perception is that politics is dirty, local, state, national level, it's all dirty, and nothing can change it. And that is bullshit. That is wrong. It is not right. In this situation, perception is not reality. But it takes people being engaged, understanding what's going on, feeling like they have a purpose, 
asking questions, understanding what's happening, being registered to vote, voting, and a certain amount of people running for office. Hell, down in Newcastle, they didn't even have enough candidates to have a primary election. That's crazy. But all of this stuff is wrong. We can make a difference. I'm making a difference. This is making a difference. You people listening to this and sharing this and getting fired up are making a difference. But if things continue like they have been, like nothing's going to change, and if folks continue thinking nothing can change, then nothing will change. Perceptions of corruption and apathy will continue to bind us down. And that will happen until citizen by citizen stands up to do what needs to be done, similar to what our forefathers did, those dregs of society that we're getting ready to talk about. A friend of mine was talking to an elected official about the corruption and politics locally in our community in a small, little, sleepy Winchester community. And the official told him the following statement. You do realize that politics is corrupt everywhere. Yeah, so what? Let's defeat it. That's partially correct. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do something about it. And I'm going to tell you like my friend told that official. I don't live everywhere. I live here. Who will be the first one to stand up? The first one to make the change? It has to start somewhere. I'm the first one to stand up in my community. Will you be the first one to stand up in yours? Be that first one. Do you need a hand? I will give it to you. Let's be that first two people to stand up. I'll help you. Do you want the help? Do you want to be the person to stand up? I want you to be. We can change this. And there will be better government through citizen involvement. That is 100% a fact. Perception, perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, folks. The dregs of society. We went through what the definition of that means. What it means to me. The deplorable patriots. That might be a way to talk about it. The dregs of society. That's kind of an older term. Maybe a military-style term. But... We've heard recently, within the last couple years, deplorables. And I think that's similar to the same meaning. But let's take a trip back through history. For the United States of America, it all began on July 2nd, 1776, when 52 men voted to declare their independence from England and the oppressive laws and taxes of old King George. The men who signed that document two days later were the dregs of society. They were drunks and womanizers. They were farmers, scoundrels, 
lawyers, merchants. There were a few educated people in there, and there were plenty of deplorables, and they became legends. Our forefathers, our founding fathers. They chose to fight for freedom. They chose to stand up for what they believed in and for a better tomorrow for their children and their children's children and for us, thank God. They used muskets and cannons fighting a foreign oppressive power against taxation without representation. And that oppressive power, mind you, was the greatest power at that time in the world. They, in their wisdom, forged two great documents, the Constitution of the United States of America and the Bill of Rights. These were written to guarantee everyone equal rights and to prevent a tyrannical government from ever ruling over citizens of this great nation. And ladies and gentlemen, those two documents guaranteed those rights and guaranteed the right to prevent the tyrannical government from ruling over them the same that it does you and I. Those documents mean the same thing they do today as they did in 1776, giving us the same rights and protecting us from that tyrannical government, be it the national government or our state government or our cities and towns and counties. We're protected just the same. And getting back to the history lesson for a second, all I can say is, in vino, veritas. In wine, there is truth. Those drunken, deplorable patriots must have been drinking some mighty fine wine because those documents changed the world. Yes, they set up a nation, but they really were for the state's rights and for limited government. They created a government that could be regulated through citizen involvement rather than through violence. They built upon the idea that was the foundation of their fight for freedom, that the central argument in the Declaration of Independence is, if the government fails to meet the needs of the people, if the government chooses to ignore the wishes of the people, it is not only the people's right, but the people's duty to take a stand and to throw down that government. The genius of the Declaration of Independence is that they chose to challenge the perception that nothing could change. Did you hear that? Our forefathers, these dregs of society, these deplorables, decided to challenge the perception that existed even back then. They decided to challenge the perception that nothing could change. The reality was far removed from that perception. Things could change, and they did. When the Founding Fathers chose to become involved, they broke through that perception. They were you and I, everyday citizens, 
the poor farmer who suffered under the king, the rich man who thrived under the king, the religious man who tried to avoid the king, and the atheist who didn't care about the king. They all came together with one voice to say no more. And they created a government the likes of which had never been seen before. That government that we live in and for today. And they were willing to be involved no matter the cost. What did it cost them? All those who signed pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, and the majority of them lost at least one of these. We need more people willing to sacrifice for a dream, a dream of a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, a government that values freedom above all. And these people were facing insurmountable odds. They were facing the greatest empire that had ever been at that point to fight this fight and to make the world a better place for them, their families, and for us. And how did they do that? By coming together, citizen by citizen, and person by person being involved and engaged. And when I think about those people, the founding fathers that lived during that time, I'm blown away. And it kind of reminds me of another group of people that were heroes in our history. The passengers of Flight 93 during the September 11th terrorist attacks. For anyone that was 15, 16, 17, or older, September 11th, 2001, you'll clearly know what I'm talking about. I was 18 years old, or 19, on September 11th, 2001. So I'm old enough to remember the pre-9-11 world and clearly know the post-9-11 world. And one of the most intriguing and amazing stories that stick out from everything else that's ever happened in all of forever that I think about is the story of the passengers on Flight 93. And I know that we all know the story, even those that were born after September 11th. It's history now, so they talk about it. Or they talk about some form of it because of the crap that goes on in our schools today. But for everyone, let's just take a quick little refresher course. Flight 93 was a flight that was in the air on one of the most beautiful Tuesdays that I think I could ever recall. It was an absolute gorgeous day almost throughout the entire United States of America. What an amazingly beautiful day. What a very strange deal. The sky, I remember people talking about the sky, and I remember thinking that about the sky that day, that it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. And I just, that sticks in my mind. But United Airlines Flight 93 was a domestic scheduled passenger flight that was hijacked by four 
al-Qaeda terrorist. It was part of the September 11th attacks, and it's the flight that crashed into the field in Somerset County, Pennsylvania. But it didn't just crash. The plane was part of an attempt to crash into God knows what. The White House, the Capitol building, who knows. But what happened was, the passengers realized what was happening. And they decided they weren't going down like that. They had the wherewithal to know that if the four terrorists, those assholes, those motherfuckers, if they got their way, everybody on the plane was dead. They realized that. So they decided to do what we Americans do. They took a vote. And you know what those people on that airplane did? I mean, it, it chokes me up. It makes me, it, I just, it's hard to talk about. Those people voted to attempt to take that airplane back. Those people that were just regular, everyday people, business people, students, people that were retired, people that were going on business trips and to see friends, they were just regular, everyday people. Nobody knows if in their background, maybe somebody was a felon. Maybe somebody was addicted to drugs. Maybe somebody had been in fights before. No one really knows what happened in these passengers' lives. They very well could have been the dregs of society. But on that day, at 9.28 a.m., their lives changed and they became heroes. They voted to decide to attempt to take the plane back, trying to overpower the four hijackers. And I'm sure that they intended to land or attempt to crash land, hoping that the majority or the most amount of people would live possible. But they voted knowing that that might not happen. And they did what they did, crashing that plane into the ground, killing all of them, along with those four dogs, because they were badasses. That's what citizens can do. They didn't wait to be killed at the hands of these pigs. They did what needed to be done, and they saved God knows how many countless lives. At 9.57 a.m., the passenger revolt on Flight 93 began. The passengers voted to act. By that time, Flight 73 had already crashed, striking the Pentagon, and Flights 11 and 175 had struck both World Trade Center towers. As the revolt began and the hijackers started maneuvering the plane violently, the plane left its Washington, D.C. course and one of the hijackers can be heard on the black box flight recorder saying, is there something, a fight, a fight, 
Cece Lyles called her husband from a cell phone and told him the passengers were forcing their way to the cockpit. Damn, that's badass. One of the asshole terrorists began to roll the plane left to right to try to knock the passengers off balance, but the passengers could not be deterred. And one of the terrorists told another in the cockpit that the citizens on the plane wanted to get into the cockpit. He exclaims, hold, hold from the inside, hold from the inside, hold. The terrorist changes tactics and pitched the nose of the airplane up and down to disrupt the assault. The cockpit voice recorder captured the sounds of crashing, screaming, and the shattering of glass and plates. Three times in a period of five seconds, there were shouts of pain or distress from the hijacker outside the cockpit, suggesting that a hijacker that was standing guard outside the cockpit door was being attacked by these hero passengers. The terrorist asshole that was in charge of flying the plane stabilized the plane at 10 a.m. Five seconds later, he asked, Is that it? Shall we finish it off? Another hijacker responded, No, not yet. When they all come, we finish it off. And a passenger in the background cried, In the cockpit, if we don't, we'll die. 16 seconds later, another passenger yelled, Roll it, possibly referring to using the food cart. The voice recorder captured the sound of passengers using the food cart as a battering ram against the cockpit door. Passengers continued their assault, and at 10.02.17, a male passenger said, Turn it up. A second later, a hijacker said, Put it down, put it down. And at 10.02.33, a terrorist was heard to plead, Hey, hey, and then give it to me repeated eight times in succession, possibly referring to the plane's yoke. The airplane plummeted into a nosedive with the yoke turned hard to the right. The airplane rolled upside down and one of the hijackers began shouting a prayer. Among the continued sounds of the passenger's counterattack, the aircraft picked up speed. The hijackers inside the cockpit are heard yelling no over the sound of the breaking glass. And the final spoken words on the cockpit data recorder were a calm voice in English instructing someone to pull it up. The last words caught on the recorder were words from an American citizen saying, pull it up. And with that, the passengers on that flight accomplished their goal. And then, a short time later, the plane crashed into an empty field in Stony Creek, Pennsylvania, about 20 minutes flying time from Washington, D.C. But what sticks in my mind over everything are the words of Todd Beamer, the words that he spoke to the fellow passengers as they began their revolt. He says, are you guys ready? Okay, let's roll. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the power of a group of citizens can do when they put their mind to making a difference or attempting to make a difference for themselves and their fellow citizens. And so what does that have to do with what I'm talking about, with perceptions of 
what we think about our local city or county or town government or our state government or the national government. And what the hell does that have to do with the forefathers? And I'll tell you, the men and women on that plane that made a very tough choice, that decided to act bravely to stop those four highly deranged shitheads from killing others, and they gave their lives to do that. That's amazing. They were put in that position. And you or I, going to city council meetings or speaking out, we're not going to be put in a situation like that, God willing. And what we face is nothing like that. And what we face going up against corrupt officials or asking candidates questions or votings is nothing like the Founding Fathers faced. I'm not suggesting that we fight another revolutionary war. I'm suggesting that we look at where we came from and we look at the heart of those deplorable patriots, our Founding Fathers, and we look to actions of heroes like the passengers of Flight 93. And we say, we can make a difference. We say, in the words of Todd Beamer, are you guys ready? Okay, let's roll. Or we say, to quote Samuel Adams, it does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority, keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. We say, ladies and gentlemen, we can help each other to stand up as citizens, to be involved, to understand what's at play, to be active, to be engaged, to be willing to ask questions, to be willing to go to meetings, to hold our officials accountable, to be willing to vote in every election, primary and general, to be willing to hold our officials accountable after they're elected, whether we voted for them or not. If we didn't vote for them and they get in office and they're trashing the place, yeah, let's call them out. But by God, if we supported them and they let us down, we're definitely going to crush them. And we say that, and we do that, and we vote. And if that doesn't work, we stand up and we run for the offices ourselves. And we make our communities better for our children and our children's children and for tomorrow. Like the heroes that we've discussed today did without much of a second thought. Ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready to be wrapping this up here. And I want to take just one second to say that during the taping of this show, I was made aware of a mass shooting that occurred at a Virginia Beach City, Virginia city building today, Friday, May 31st, 2019. The shooter, a Virginia Beach disgruntled city employee, walked into the building and started opening fire indiscriminately at the city building. Friday afternoon, killing at least 12 people and sending four others to the hospital. It was a disgruntled employee, and unfortunately, 
the shooter died after a gunfight with police. My thoughts and prayers with those individuals, and I ask for you to give your thoughts and prayers for those individuals as well. And number one, I ask that we hold off all political left and right wing crazy shit until the investigation plays out and we find out what's going on here. Let's not turn this into a political football. So please just keep the family members, the people who were affected, the employees, everyone in this community in your thoughts and prayers, and let's continue monitoring the situation like intelligent adults. Okay, so in wrapping up, today I just wanted to focus on some examples of people who were able to come together and to make a difference. People that weren't necessarily the biggest and best and brightest, but they were the right people at the right place at the right time. Let's think about the new generation of deplorable patriots or the dregs of society. It's obvious that there are people who want to make a change as we see citizens in Winchester and Muncie and Gaston and Anderson and Indianapolis taking a stand. We see the people on social media fighting out and stating their opinion and arguing over national politics. But let's focus some of that inward to our own communities. Let's take a stand to hold our elected officials here at home accountable. We see officials running scared. I know officials that claim this is a nothing podcast and nobody listens and it's a joke, but yet they always listen. They always watch. They always have people knowing what my actions are. They're running scared because we're pushing them up against the wall and holding them accountable. They're being investigated for illegal and immoral actions, backpedaling to avoid the truth, to avoid the prosecution of the people or under the law, trying to hide their real motives. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If the citizens of every city in Indiana become as politically involved on a local level as the citizens of Gaston did, or as citizens appear to do on social media when talking about Donald Trump or abortion in Georgia or Nancy Pelosi, then we could fundamentally change the face of politics in each and every community that there is in every state and that the government would finally start to work for the citizens the way our founding fathers intended that we would have better government through citizen involvement let me give you one more example real quick at the national level during the 2016 presidential election the perception was that Hillary Clinton couldn't possibly lose and the presidential election of 2016 would be taken by the Clinton machine. The silent majority stood up and made their own perception a reality. The people changed the direction of the federal government in a direction that I believe they felt was towards the better. Their choice to become involved made their new reality and beat back the perception that they had been told would have to happen. What could we do 
if we could channel that kind of passion for our local politics, the kind that you're seeing on the national level, what kind of change could we make if we could focus that on our local governments? What kind of new perception and new reality could we make by being involved, by being passionate, by choosing to make a change? And so as we're gearing up to start being involved, what are some things that you can kind of watch for? How about this? In Randolph County, keep your eye on the situation going on with the $5.5 million county barn getting ready to go up in a county with only 24,000 residents in which a referendum did not occur. Keep in mind that if the county uses property tax revenue to pay for any part of this barn, that they should have had a referendum for it, and that'll be an issue. And the people should be heard on that issue, and the fact that they're not is going to be a problem. In Muncie, keep your eye on the HUD office, because the director of HUD is a candidate for mayor, and she seems to be having some issues, and those issues tend to follow her from career to career to career, and there seems to be some of the same issues occurring with situations in her office and audits. So keep an eye on that, along with continuing to watch how the fire department and the EMS and the city-county 911 situation plays out. These are just little things that I'm giving you to keep your eye on, and we'll continue following that as we move forward into the future. But in wrapping up, I want to say, change doesn't come from the top down, but rather from the bottom up. Like Tip O'Neill said, all politics is local, and if you want to see change, you must start at the local level. It's the small local government positions that are the feeder systems for the higher level positions. So if we want to clean up state and national politics, drain the swamp, if you will, it's time to start cleaning out the gutters of our local community governments. If you want to make politics everywhere better, let's focus on where we are at home first. It's time to remove the bad officials from office, the bad people that are behind the scenes pulling the strings, like the far-left Fred Davises and the Mike Whites and the Phil Nichols and those people that have been like in the shadows as the puppet masters for the last billion years, making sure that government in the local communities was broken, corrupt, and dirty. And it's time to put a stop to that. And the way to put a stop to that is very simple. Be informed, be engaged, be involved. Attend community events. Interact with your neighbors and your fellow citizens of your city. Attend meetings if you can. If you cannot, watch your meetings on social media. If they're not on social media and your communities don't stream your meetings for folks that cannot attend, then 
push for your officials to start streaming those meetings. Get the minutes of the meetings. Follow up with what happened. It's very easy. It doesn't take a lot of work. Get engaged. Get involved. It's time to be informed, and you can do that by asking questions. And if you ask questions, expect answers. And if you don't get answers, that's a problem. Make sure to register to vote, and then get out and vote. If you are registered, then don't screw around and don't vote in the primary because you think it's not important. It is important. Vote each and every time. By the way, I do want to say in the state of Indiana, voters registration is currently open if you're listening to this in the spring summer of 2019 and you can go to www.indianavoters with an s.com. That's www.indianavoters.com. Register to vote today. It only takes about two minutes. And then once you're registered, or if you're registered, make sure that you vote. But then your job's not done just because you voted. Once you vote, here's what happens. If your candidate that you're pushing for does not win and the other candidate does, be prepared to hold that official accountable. If that official does a good job, praise that official. If that official does a bad job, call them out on that. That's what this is. But on the flip side of that, if your official that you were backing gets into office, your job is much more important. Because if they get in office and they do great, then you have to praise them and try to keep them there. But if they get into office and they disappoint you and they don't do what they're supposed to do and they start screwing it up, then by God, you must do what you can to crush them and get them out of office at the next election. Make sure to hold yourself and your officials accountable that you voted for. If a politician is doing a good job, praise them. If they're doing a bad job, you apologize for voting for that person and you crush them. Perception perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, folks. Well, we went a little long today, and uh, I apologize for that, but we had a lot of information to cover. I feel like it was a really good show. I want to give a great big shout-out to Niles and Kate Thornburg. They're the creative team behind the Vulgar Poets. They are a new research, writing, and producer team that we have now on staff at Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. So welcome to the team. I want everyone to thank them for their contribution for tonight's show, and we will see how it goes forward from here. They've done a fantastic job, and they keep me on track and kind of keep me focused. I feel like I have sometimes a little bit of 
ADD. Hey, look, there goes a squirrel. Oh, what was I saying? Okay, so in closing, thank you for listening. You have been listening to this on some form of podcast hosting site. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud. We are now on iHeartRadio. That's cool. But you can find us under one roof at perception.fireside.fm. Again, that is a perception.fireside.fm. Please, please pass this around. This is episode 010. It's the 10th episode. We've done 10 of these, and I feel like this so far has been the very, very best. Thank you for tuning in. Share this message. I look forward to talking to you next Tuesday. And as always, if you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, you can email me at khbilbury at gmail.com. Or you can call the show at 765-546-9796. Until next time, thank you, good evening, God bless. As always, I'm your host here at Perception Is Reality, Christopher H. Bilbury. Have a great night. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception, perception is, is reality. Reality.